Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You are listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 42. Just a reminder, you can find my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at callthatgirl.podbean.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl. Now, this show is about Microsoft Outlook, Office 365, Microsoft Exchange Migrations, and other technically entertaining stories I can share from my past week or so of work. Please remember, if you need help learning Office 365, I am available for hire by the hour or project, and as well, I give tech discounts, or I pay out a commission. You can email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. And before we get going, as usual, I'd like to take a moment to thank our new sponsor, excuse me, our show sponsor, AppRiver. They are email and web security specialists. AppRiver offers phenomenal Office 365 sales and support, and they have been my preferred vendor for all my clients for three years now, and I'm thrilled to have them as a sponsor. If you have listened to my past shows, you have probably heard me speak about AppRiver often, and to set up a time to talk to my personal sales rep, Steve Harris, you can email him at sharris at appriver.com. All right, gang, this week I'm going to talk about uh, my Friday, which I had an awesome day. And I'm going to talk about the client I had this morning and then a little tip I figured out on my migration I did on Thursday and on Friday. And then this week's topic is marketing and advertising tips for Office 365. I'm going to kind of do a couple shows in a row here. Um, This week will be marketing and advertising. Next week will be how to sell and support it. And I should be able to get that in one show. There's just some tips for you folks, because let me just say that, oh man, this Office 365, it is just still bringing in the calls nonstop for me. And uh, even though I do national work, it's really good for you local techs to get to know this a lot better because there's plenty of work for everybody. No matter how much I market out there, there's more work than any person can handle, trust me. (laughs) So if you need extra sales, get to know Office 365 and we'll talk about that today. But the first tip I'm gonna, first thing, excuse me, I'm gonna talk to you guys about is what happened on Thursday. Now I was doing a one person migration, which to me, this is just like, these one, they're like one-offs. They're just super easy, one person, no drama, really not a lot of prep work. You know, I follow my processes and it's just another day, right? Where back in the day it was a big deal, you know, but not anymore. Well, there's a company um, named oneandone.com that has a completely messed up control panel. And I'm going to tell you what happened with this, uh, with this migration I did. So when you, when you set up a Microsoft account, you have to um, verify a text record, Okay. So what I normally do is I have to log into the control panel, update a text record. And, you know, it's not difficult to find usually. There's been a few companies that have some really outdated stuff. I talked about that one um, many, many shows ago. It was very, very challenging. But uh, um, this one-in-one has a new control panel, like the new floaty Metro. And it drives me nuts because I just want to get to the – the information, you know, I don't want to have to click a hidden little down arrow, which is what they really love doing, unfortunately. 
So anyway, I finally get the tax record done, and uh, then I set up. You know, I I go and uh, tell App River about the 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 record being updated. Then I get the Microsoft accounts, and then the day of the migration, I'm remoted in. I back up all the stuff, and I'm looking at the control panel, going, "Okay, I guess I forgot to go look to see where the auto discover is set up." Because normally, in a control panel, there's a spot to update or change or add the C name record. And if this one, I couldn't. And now I'm not, you know. A control panel expert. I'm not a DNS expert. I don't really know any of that other stuff except what I do. Okay, <laughs> and I try to be honest with people about that. Like, hey, I only need to know three things. That's all I do every time. So anyway, I go looking and looking and looking. I had to call oneinone.com three times, and thank gosh they had phone support. But the first tech told me. Oh, you have to create a subdomain for the, the auto discover record. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what should I name it? And he's like, you can name it anything you want. I'm like, really? And I'm like, that doesn't seem right. He's like, no, just name it any word, anything you want. So I literally named it any word, A-N-Y-W-O-R-D. I just wanted to get to the point where I could update and add in the CDM record. Of course I do that. And then uh, I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated with them because you know, I just was, and the didn't the CNAME didn't update. the The whole point of this story is I didn't update the MX record first because I kind of got nervous. A lot of times when you go into a control panel, you can update the MX, then the CNAME, hit save, you're done. But the the like I said, the tip I'm telling you guys is if you if you feel suspicious that you can't update something together, always do the CNAME first. Because if the MX records are done first, their emails delivering to the um, to the Exchange account, but in your in the computer you can't set up Outlook if they have got 2016. The C name Auto Discover you have to have in place before you set up the Outlook on the computer. Okay, so back to the calling the one and one. I had to call them three times to get this done. I spent an hour and 15 minutes on the phone. And, you know, I do these migrations all the time. I did 50 last year. And I'm like, I just felt so silly that I couldn't understand their website. It was horrible. Okay, so I'm glad I did that. I did the C name, finally got that done. And then I got the MX record done. I logged into the client's computer. And the one thing I've learned about one-on-one is their um, auto-discover does not work as quick <laughs> as you think it is. So it took maybe 10 minutes for... Um, when you set up an exchange account in Outlook 2016 with that one, at least it took almost 10 minutes for the password to pop up and for me to set up the account, which kind of freaked me out because you're sitting there watching the green checks, you know, check, 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 done. This one just sat at the first check and I was like, ah, so frustrating. But the worst part of this is I had another migration on Friday with another one onecom company. So at least I learned from my last job the problems I'd had and I learned how to add a subdomain incorrectly. So here's the thing about one-on-one -on -one subdomain to do auto discover is you actually have to name the subdomain auto discover. Don't name it any word like I did. That's the trick I learned there. And, um, for the most part, you know, like uh, saying HostGator, GoDaddy, all those other companies, they've got decent, you know, control panels, uh, settings. So it's not difficult, but I'm going to keep my eye out for that one-on-one -on -one because it wasn't good. 
And it took me a long time to get to know their control panel, and I really wasn't a fan of it. So I'm just spreading the word there, folks. Just spreading the word. All right, then yesterday I actually had a really, really nice day. Um, all my calls that came in were a mix of, uh, you know, prepaid tickets, new clients, new projects coming around. I think I got four requests for migrations for next week and the week after, which is a nice way to think about closing March is to have a bunch of little projects on. You know, I haven't had the worst March. I can't say it's been, you know, the, the busiest month, but I've been consistent and steady and that's really good. But uh, it's just kind of nice when you get a nice sales day to go, oh, goody, 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 all these jobs will be coming in. But I had, um, I started off my Friday morning with a typical IMAP cleanup job from, from Gmail. And that, you know, probably took two hours, but I just remoted in and did it on my side time. And that was nice. And then, let me look at my calendar here. Oh, come on. It won't open. Then I did an hour of training with one of my clients who um, just wanted to get to know Outlook a little bit. Now, so you folks listening, just to let you know that I don't always promote my training, but I do offer training. And a lot of times people just want just to be walked through the, the basics of it. Or if they have exchange, they want to know like the little benefits of exchange, because even though they're in Outlook, there's a lot of things exchange does that Outlook doesn't offer. And those are I don't know what I consider the little niceties. So if you folks out there ever want to promote training uh, to me, that's a nice little upsell for if you just did a migration or whatever, give me an, uh, an email or shout, or excuse me, or call me up and we could talk about uh, some commissions there. I do a lot of training, but it's not like my, you know, my main thing I, I market for, but I do it because people need it. And then I remoted in and helped the client with some Outlook calendar sharing permissions. Uh, just remember, in exchange, you can share calendars and people can view each other's. I, I, um, I think that sometimes people don't know they have that because the clients, when I first told them they could do it, they were like, really? I'm like, you're an exchange server. Yeah. That's one of the things I tell my clients that call in that you can do that they want is to do that. And remember, a lot of the small companies that we – help and support at our level. They used to work in corporate America where that was just like a, a knowledgeable thing is to see each other's calendars. But the small companies now in exchange could do that as well. And you should tell them about that and help them set it up. All right. And then I had a client who um, called in with a phone syncing issue. For some reason, excuse me, her, um, her phone would not sync, uh, excuse me, her phone would not sync unless she was really close to the computer. Now, this makes no sense to me because she was on exchange, right? And, and honestly, I said, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think I know of any reason why it would sync when it got closer because it's not like it's a magnet, you know? And, um, I said, is your phone on, uh, the home network? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, well, so is mine. So I couldn't figure it out. But the, the trick, I think, for what I – not the trick, but I think what I figured out for her um, exchange is she's on a, a service provider's very old hosted exchange. And not only was she having problems with that, but she's had like four or five other issues. And I said, look, you're on old hosted exchange, which those servers are going to be going bye-bye because uh, Microsoft has the new exchange online servers, and those are much better. 
and they're more powerful and they're just overall, you know, work better. So we're going to do a migration for her to get her off, um, some very old servers. And, and that's something that you guys got to think about out there is because, you know, the people, they get limits on the old hosted exchange that they don't get with exchange online, like space and just more updated technology and just things run a little bit better. And then I took a call from a referral, which I don't know if the techs listen to my show or not, but I did actually call them after the referral. And, uh, what happened was they had a client that had some data transfer uh, needed to be done, and they set up the computer with the software, and then the client came in and said, well, my Outlook's not working, and my calendar's not syncing, and the tech was, um, I think he actually knew about me from TechNibble. Um, he said, you know what, you should call that girl. <laughs> and that's where the name comes in handy. And, and I said, you know, wow, that's really cool. I got a referral. You know, I get those on occasion. But uh, it spent, I spent almost two hours with this guy. You know, I just set up his whole outlook. Uh, he had some broken IMAP. I don't know. I, I don't know what happened, but I don't think it was the tech's fault. And iCloud wasn't set up. And, you know, it's kind of the small detail work that I don't know that I, even when I had stores, if my techs would have been able to do all that. Because um, I only knew the IMAP was broke because I just do it so much, you know. So I, I called them and thanked them and just said, hey, you know, if you guys ever need me on a bigger scope, let me know because they had a lot of stores. <laughs> they weren't just one store. And they said, yeah, we'll talk to uh, the, best, the boss and see if we can work something out with you. All right, so then I had uh, two more appointments. And this was all on Friday, by the way. So I decided just to make it a one-day story here. I had another migration that it went smooth for the most part. But at the very end, I messed up. And so here's how I messed up so you guys don't do it. Okay, so uh, I had a little mistake. I exported out the PST file because the guy was using POP. Now, I didn't think about it, but I also exported out the calendar into a CSV file. But I also exported it out with the PST file. And when I went to go import the calendar, it got imported twice, which is a, kind of a sticky situation during a migration, which I don't like to happen because you actually have to delete the whole calendar for one thing. You got to delete the whole thing, let the server synchronize, and then import it again. And that kind of sucks because you have to wait. And while you're just importing in a PST file, the, you know, the Outlook is busy synchronizing with the server anyway, and it just kind of gets messy and Oh, I just felt bad because the guy had to go and I was like, oh, I was just frustrated because I really like my migrations to be as top notch as I can. I apologized up and down and you know, he, he understood he's in a similar business line. So he was like, I get it. Don't worry. And I was like, well, I'm embarrassed. And I'm sorry, but I just overlooked that, that the calendar. So normally when you do a migration, a lot of my people, they're coming from IMAP. The pop people love their pop and they don't want to be moved off unless, you know, that they, they want an exchange or something. But IMAP people, the calendar is usually uh, not there because you have to import the, or excuse me, export the IMAP to a PST on its own. So that was my failure point, but lesson learned. I won't do that again. And then my final appointment was with um, a fella who, um, needed just a bunch of rework done and 
he wants, let's see, I think he told me at the end of the appointment, it was about an hour. And he's like, oh, yeah, can you help me set up my phone with iCloud? I'm like, uh, next week. <laughs> I just didn't have enough time on my calendar to do it because iCloud setup is easy an hour or two if it's bad. And I still don't even like doing iCloud setup, but I will. Um, his would have been fresh, so it's not so bad. Fixing iCloud is worse than setting it up because it's always, it breaks for them. It's going to keep breaking for me, but he doesn't have, um, he doesn't have a domain. So, and he's a home user, so he doesn't want to exchange migration anyway. All right, gang. So that is kind of my stories for Friday. Uh, I had a bunch of other work last week, but that was, it was just a nice, awesome scheduled Friday. I love when days like that work out. And then this morning I wake up to, well, oh wait, today is uh, March 12th, by the way, Saturday. So this morning I wake up to uh, an emergency kind of a uh, call. I got a voicemail message from my answering service. I got an email and I could tell this lady was kind of in a panic mode. And um, I was like, okay, it's Saturday. Yeah, I can work, you know. And here's the thing is that a lot of people are like, I don't work weekends. I got to have my personal life. And you know what? I'm single, no kids. I can help somebody on a Saturday morning. It's not a big deal, you know. Well, I'm glad I took this call because it turns out that her tech had um, been trying for three days to fix her outlook. Now, I don't know the tech, so I'm not going to talk shit about them, but the tech has, uh, you know, three days in on a computer that or uh, an Outlook problem. He runs an MSP company. So uh, fixing Outlook is probably not his, you know, core business. And she tells me, here's my problems. Outlook won't load. I've got two plugins that are broke. And uh, that's kind of it. And I'm like, okay, so, all right, let me remote in. And what I did was, is now here's what I do when Outlook won't launch. And it was Outlook 2016. Now, I don't know anything about the client. She's a fresh call. She turns out she bought Professional Plus, which to me, that's the really wrong version for someone that just needs Word, Excel, and PowerPoint and, and Outlook, by the way. The Professional Plus, she didn't need any of the other stuff, but I didn't sell it to her. So anyway, so here's what I do when Outlook won't load and, and it's just a, a fresh new uh, client for me and I didn't have any part participation in the purchasing. So you, oh, so you close Outlook, make sure there's no other Outlook versions running, go into the profile, excuse me, the mail control panel, and make a new test profile. Now, what's happened is the add-on snagged up her original profile, and it kind of is like stuck in a loop, almost like a Windows boot loop of sorts, except it's not a boot loop. <laughs> and... I make a test profile, which always opens up. So keep that in mind. The test ones, bleep, Outlook opens. So that's when I go in and I start doing my optimizing. Uh, I do four or five things, which I've talked about on past shows I do. I do a little optimizing. I look at the plugins. I look at this and that. And uh, I know it's all good then, right? So then I actually change the profile to be... Uh, prompt for a new profile. So then I change that. I open it up again. The test works fine. Then I go try to open up the original. 
and the original was still broken. So now I look on her computer a little deeper and I notice that she has Outlook 2010 on the computer, which, uh, yeah, sometimes 2010 and 16, also 2010, 13, like to battle. Yeah, sometimes can't have both. The worst offender is Outlook 2007. Now that buddy has to go. That buddy has to go if you're dealing with uh, 2013 or 16. But she had 10, and 10's like a friendly partner. So I said, well, before we go and remove 10, let me try opening it. And 10 wouldn't open. So I'm like, okay, so we got a problem here. So I left 10 on. I went and actually did uh, try to repair the Office 2016 in the programs. And I did the full repair. The, I think it's called the online, not a quick repair. I don't even know if that quick repair ever fixes anything, to be honest with you. So I just tell people, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take you off the clock now. I don't know how long this is going to take. The reason why I take people off the clock for that amount of time is because it's Saturday morning. I got other things to do, and I really don't want to bill somebody for an hour of watching software. So that's what I do. I think it took about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes for hers, and that's actually about the standard, I believe. But uh, I had her repair it, had her reboot uh, I got back in the machine, and I went and opened Outlook, and I picked the on or the Outlook profile, the original, and it opened. I was like, "Hello, yes," <laughs> because I did the right steps. It opened up, and I think I kind of surprised her because she was like, "Wait, is that my Outlook?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Oh my god, you're a genius." I'm like, "Not really. <laughs> I just know. I just know the program." Okay, so then I went and added on the two add-ons, and uh, both of them were kind of weird. They were not normal, like iCloud and stuff like that. They were actually for CRM systems. I did one. The other one had a problem. I went and re-downloaded it, added it in, and worked fine. Okay. So she's happy as a clam, right? I have probably 30 real minutes invested in this job, and... You know, I was like, well, you're not out of the woods yet because it could still break. So just, you know, whatever. Well, it turns out then she wanted to start talking tech a little bit. And she started telling me about her technician and what he's got her set up on and all this stuff. And I'm never one to discredit another tech's business. But I was just kind of like amazed that he's got her on a $7,000 a year managed service system when it's just her and another employee. I'm like, what kind of system you got there, lady? <laughs> and I wasn't, like I said, discrediting him, but I was like, you know, because she really just wanted to buy some of my services. And so I was telling her, well, here's how I can benefit and help, you know, help you for tech support. And like I say, even if you refer me a client, I always say, call them first. You know, I will always be a secondary backup, whatever. And um, she's like, you know, I, I know the guy. And she doesn't want to be mean, so she's like, let me talk to him and see how we can pull you in, and maybe his business can actually use your services too. I was like, hey, yeah, there you go. You know, I mean, she's got a pretty simple system. She's got online backup, and she has a server, and that she doesn't do anything on the server but file share. And I was like, hmm, I don't know what she's doing. I have no idea, so like I said, I'm not going to uh, say anything bad. But, um, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to, you know, be able to get a, a prepaid ticket out of her and maybe sell her my service plan that I do with um, my techs, which a lot of you guys know I have a white label partner 
um, which I just actually call tech partner now because there's no white label about it. I actually tell my clients he has his own company. I partner with him so you can have extended tech support through me, which is how I had to kind of change my business model anyway because I don't like white label. I just I just want to say I have a tech partner. They bill you. They do everything. They're great, and my clients are happy. And uh, so they get on the service plan, which is an extension of my prepay tickets. So we partner up. So anyway, she is going to talk to her guy about working with me for Outlook calls and then using my white label guys, tech partners, for his business because he's getting too busy. And that can happen in our world. When you start to get too busy, you have to go and get help. And I'm a firm believer in using outsourced partners definitely for that. Okay, so that was a happy Saturday morning for me. And then this afternoon, because I just wanted to enjoy some tech excitement, I've been watching on Netflix a bunch of tech documentaries. On um, So the first one I watched was called Downloaded, I think. It's the one with Sean Parker and the other Sean uh, about Napster, which was kind of a cool show. I've been trying to get re-inspired with tech stuff, you know, like from entrepreneur spirit level. And uh, so I watched that show, and right now I'm watching another one called Genius, some genius one about the AT&T uh, Shaw guy that uh, <laughs> I'm only halfway through it, but he's had a very interesting life. And I watched another tech show the other day. Um, I forgot what it is. I'll remember it. Anyway, yeah, that was uh, – I've been trying to catch up on these, on these documentaries and stuff because I forget – Sometimes the the inspiration behind these stories. Oh, I know which one it was. It was called the Venture Capitalist or one of the venture ones. And it talks about the stories of all these guys in the 60s and 70s who became venture capitalists. So <laughs> sorry about that. I, I totally spaced off, but um, I, I don't even know if that's the name of it, Venture Capitalist. But it was just a neat show. It talked about the startups from the old days and, and all the guys in tech and you know, kind of just was a nice kick in the butt for me to think about and grow my business, which I enjoyed. All right. So now, guys, we're going to move on to the actual show topic, which is how to market and, excuse me, market and advertise for Office 365. Now, this is not the only way to market by any means. These are just things I do, which I'm glad to share with you folks because, you know, literally every local repair company, office, store, mobile, whatever, can offer the Office 365. And if you've been kind of struggling on how to do it, uh, my tips today will give you a good little kickstart there. But the first thing I want to tell you is, um, before you even think of marketing it and doing some advertising, is you have to know the product enough. And I still get a lot of people who email me questions. And now in the Facebook group, um, I talked about a couple shows ago. You know, now that I'm engaging in this face group, Facebook group more, you know, people ask me questions and I'm like, it doesn't sound like you know it enough to market it. And if you don't know what you're doing, you better wait or do what I did is you learn from your first few clients. That's really the only way to really, um, I would say, put a foot in the pool and, and, and before you go swimming, you know, is to, to, to do your research, get to know it enough do some more research to figure out what other people are doing. 
then you approach your first client with it or wait till a client approaches you and you make sure to tell them, this is what I did with my first exchange migration ever was, look, I really want to do this. I want to learn how to do these. And I, I need a client to like, trust me enough to, to let me do it. Now I've told this before in all my past podcast shows, my, unfortunately my first migration was 22 people. It was way too many for your first one, but the clients I did it for, they had eight stores and it was just, oh God, I was just overeating on that one. Totally. And <laughs> it actually got done, but, um, but they also knew this was my first one too. I made it very clear to them. And so if you're very clear with your clients, like, look, I know what you need. I know this is the pricing. Here's how much I'm going to charge you and give them a little deal on the first one. They're going to let you do it. And that's the only way for you to jump in and get to know it, especially with, with, um, exchange, because there's a lot of different, you know, things that can happen with an exchange migration. So, um, if you want to check out my book, it's, um, you can go to call that girl slash publications. I think it's there for 29 bucks. I'll make sure to put a link in the, in the show notes for that. But you got to kind of know the technology. You got to know what you're doing. And you also have to know Outlook enough to be able to just to do the work. Now, you're probably not going to get to, an, uh, you know, where you fine tune and do, you know, uh, A plus aftercare. But you will in time. And the only way to do that is by failure. The only way to do it is you just keep trudging along. And the clients are going to call you back with all these questions. And then you learn in your knowledge base in your head, okay, every client always asks for that. So now I'm going to start doing that. Because that's the only way to actually you can raise your prices because you're giving better aftercare. And uh, that's what you need to do um, with these clients is your first ones is use them as the test people almost. But like I said, you have to know it enough to market it. You also have to know the difference between home office 365 and business 365. And the business 365, there's tons of different options. There's tons of them. And you also have to learn the difference between a small business buying home office 365 and them saying, well, I've already got five for $99 a year. You know, you have to learn how to kind of know the licensing and to kind of like what I do sometimes shut my eyes and say, I don't know what you bought. I don't really care. I'm just doing the exchange part. Or maybe you have to say, maybe you need to go to business licensing. It's up to you. It's up. I mean, a lot of my clients are on both, you know, they're home users. Um, you also have to know how to interview a client properly because sometimes they come in and they're like, we want SharePoint, OneDrive, we want everything. And then you have to interview them and find out what they're doing for file sharing now, what their expectations are with SharePoint, OneDrive. A lot of people get caught up in the hype of the one terabyte OneDrive, which, you know, I've talked about before. And guess what? No one's going to put 500 gigs up on OneDrive and have a successful synchronization happen that I know of. It just doesn't happen. So you don't want to take someone that's in like a structured, you know, let's just say, for example, like the client I had this morning, you know, she's got a server set up, which I don't know what's going on in that server. But the last thing I want to do is say, yeah, let's get rid of that server and let's go put you, go put you up on SharePoint or OneDrive. <laughs> no. That's my job as a, as a consultant before I even do the work is to make sure that I don't mess up what's working for them. I don't know what they've situated on the server. I don't know any of that. 
So when I do my interviews, I talk to people and say, well, what are you doing for file sharing? And a lot of people still actually just email each other. Well, that's when I say, well, OneDrive would work, but do you like to check the data on your phones, your iPads? Then we scoot them over to Dropbox. I still will not sell SharePoint and OneDrive to people. As, as much as I'd love to, I still can't. Just um, to me, it's just not good for small businesses. And so it's better for the bigger businesses, in my opinion. And my SharePoint expert that I've just worked with actually agrees with me on that. So he's like, yeah, the small businesses don't need to do the syncing because the desktop apps just can't sync with the, with the SharePoint yet. Okay, so back to my list. Okay, so um, make sure you know the file sharing and make sure you understand the Office programs and what's on their computers. Uh, a lot of clients have old old uh, Office still, 2003, 2007. Make sure you understand that XP cannot do anything with Office 365. They can do the online browser version only. And nobody that I know wants to use online only. The clients I get calling me have no interest in doing online. They're desktop users, they're, they're business, you know, at their desks all day. They don't want apps. They don't want, you know, to be on tablets. They're not mobile. They only want the desktop apps to work with the cloud and they want to go home and be able to see their stuff and work on their phones and iPads on weekends. And that's it. So there's a lot to kind of know about office 365 before you even go and do it. <laughs> And so, like I said, I, I think I'm going to offer, I've been kind of being nudged on this Facebook group, and I have been on TechNubble too. Uh, people have been saying, have a class, do a workshop, you know, have videos. And I'm like, you know, I tried this last year having the Outlook videos, and then 2016 came out and totally screwed me over on that video idea because then the whole game changed. And this is the problem you have with doing video training is that stuff changes too quickly. Then you have to go do the video over and that takes hours and hours and hours of work. So I did put the outlook training to bed for now, but the office 365 training and off in exchange migrations, I could consider doing in a webinar type environment like classroom, like you pay, you attend, you take notes, you learn. Okay. So if you're interested in doing that, um, email me, Lisa, I call that girl biz. I'm going to create a wait list and I'm going to talk about this on the next two shows only. So if you're interested in that kind of class, excuse me, and I have enough people responding, then I will do it. And it'll be done through uh, like fuse meeting and you know, it'll be fairly detailed on everything and I'll have a bunch of notes and kind of like a little little uh, university class or something so you can at least get the training to be able to go out and do the work. There's a lot. Man, there is just so much to learn. I still learn every day. Okay, so let's say you've done all your prep work and you're like, okay, at least I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start selling this sucker. Okay, so now you got to get out and start doing the marketing. Now, the, there's a difference between marketing and advertising. And I'm not a marketing expert and I'm not an advertising freak, but I, you know, like that knows everything, but I will tell you that advertising is supposed to be a quick blip that's constant, but it's not engagement with the client. It's more like a TV ad, radio, or a flyer you see at a restaurant, you know, just ads, basically advertising, they're ads, okay? Marketing is more 
client engagement. You start to build a relationship with them somehow. And that's what, uh, like, if you go to, like, B&I meetings, you're actually doing personal marketing for yourself in person, okay? Uh, that's actually called networking, but that's still a form of marketing. You're, you're marketing yourself through these group venues and things. Now, I don't go to the group stuff anymore. I don't really participate online with clients in a, in a sense of doing anything online with them. But what I have done is um, because I used to do tech support years ago, 2007 till 2013, that's all I did. I had, um, what, six, seven years of doing really good tech support uh, marketing. And I had a good list of people, my newsletters, my social media. And when I started to cross over, I started to lose people. Okay, now this might be your situation. Let's say you're you're getting sick of... Uh, doing, you know, virus mobiles and the hardware and laptop soldering and all that stuff. And so you want to move um, to a different line of tech support. The Office 365 is really good, you know. But um, so so back when I was uh, doing the tech support, I had um, a nice group of people that were clients. I had social media marketing going on. I had newsletters. And when I started flipping people over, it was easier for me to transition out with the inbound calls I was already getting. So there's really, there wasn't like a fresh marketing I had to do in the beginning is I took my current clients and they were like my marketing for the Office 365. And I kind of got lucky because a lot of them were small business owners. They had home offices. They were using outdated technology. So the one thing you want to think about is your inbound sales and how do you start selling that when people call in. And um, one thing you could do is if people call in for, let's say, a virus removal, you can start doing, you know, your little chat when you're talking to the client. I don't know if you're doing it remotely or in the shop, but say, you know, did you know I do Office 365 now? And it doesn't matter if they're a business or residential because no matter what, people know about Office 365. Even a home user, you can still uh, help them set up all their phones and uh, phones and computers with um, one of the syncing apps like iCloud or Outlook.com. That's still a good job that you can land. You know, that's a cloud-based thing, even though it's not Office 365 per se, but that's still good work. And a business client, you know, when you're checking off your list and you're seeing their email account, you can be like, hey, you want a business? Well, do you know I do Office 365? A lot of times clients don't know if you don't tell them. So that to me is the number one way to, to start getting in sales for that is by telling them you do it and put the feeler out there. Now, the other thing you could do is local work with your website. Now, I personally love my WordPress site. Like, it is my baby. And I moved to WordPress, I don't know, in 2009 or something like that. But Matt Rodella has the tech site builder. So if you're looking to change your website to something a little more, you know, fresh and updated, uh, he'll help you or you can purchase his uh, tech site builder site and do it yourself. But either way, WordPress is great because this gives us kind of the kickstart of all the other marketing we need to do that, that I do anyway, I'm going to tell you about. But you have to, in my opinion, use WordPress. Okay, so let's say you get your WordPress or your site up on WordPress and then you're like, now what do I do? Your website has a lot of different what I would call, uh, I'm trying to use the word sales funnels in it, but it's really not. It's just like more marketing uh, opportunities. First thing is your website itself. Okay, you can do local SEO on it. 
Um, I have my SEO book out there if you guys want to learn that. That's also sold on my callthatgirl.biz publication site. But you can crank up the SEO for your local or your county or your city or state, whatever you want to do, okay? The SEO works if you're doing local stuff. You also want to do a comparison check. See who in your area is selling Office 365, okay? So go to Google, type in, uh, you know, I'm just going to say um, Clark County, where I live, Clark County, Office 365, Las Vegas, Office 365. Whatever your town or whatever your, your community talks about, do that with Office 365 and see who is your competitor there and go check them out and see what they're doing. If no one's doing it, there you go. You got local marketing all on your own because I can guarantee you that people are Googling it and there's no one there. That is why they find me. And I'm not looking to steal work, but, you know, I market all around the whole country. So if you go take your local stuff, I guarantee you, and I'm not trying to give away work, there's plenty of work to be had, that someone's going to call you because they want local. They tell me that all the time. And I lose a lot of jobs because these people are like, well, I'm in, uh, I don't know, I'm in Sacramento, California, but I want someone local. I'm like, you know what? I can't do local because I'm in Las Vegas. And they're like, yeah, okay, let me call you back. I'm going to find someone local. So you go work on your local SEO, get your WordPress site up. And that's the two things you need to do first. That's my number one trick, but I, you know, do it nationally. Okay, so then you start blogging. Now, the key about blogging is, is you try to blog about Office 365. Just, just write a couple blogs a week. And they're not difficult to do. Another thing is you can blog about your current Office 365 stories. You don't have to go and make stuff up and write a blog from scratch. Blogging to me is storytelling. So what you really need to do is go, well, I just, you know, helped a client or I just did something or I just sold something. Let me go write a quick story. You go to your computer, you type up what happened, and you put out a blog. And with the tricks from my SEO book, because you want to, of course, put the location, I'll tell you that, you know, Las Vegas, Office 365, story, help, whatever, get the tags in, get the title in, go tell the story. That's how you start pumping Google with your SEO keywords and telling stories, which Google loves, okay, because you're not really, um, oh, what's it called, keyword pushing or I don't know, whatever, but you're getting out a blog to your local area. Then the blog, you can do a few things with that. Okay. Now that you've got an article, which that's what they call on the internet. The word blog is so bloggy. You take that link from the blog. Now you can do a few things with that. You can go over to your LinkedIn and you can go share that and say, Hey, contacts on my LinkedIn. Here's a little thing I wrote about office 365 today. Now, because LinkedIn is filled with thousands of junky articles <laughs> like mine too, it's going to not be viewed by every one of your contacts, but Hey, guess what? You do these blogs enough and share it on LinkedIn. Someone's going to catch it at some point and go, Oh, I didn't know that you guys did officer 65. Good to know. And that puts the little trigger in their, in their brain. That's they know you already because you're a LinkedIn contact. So now they relate you to office 365. You can go to your groups on LinkedIn, do the same thing. Go put a little pitch out and say, hey, here's a blog I wrote about Office 365 today. Same thing on Facebook. You go to Facebook, put out one on your own personal page, your business page, your fan page, your this page, or that page. People start relating you to Office 365 in your area. Then you go G+, which I don't even know if that even, uh, 
works for anybody. I don't know. doesn't work for me. Twitter, nah. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of Twitter followers that actually call me and hire me. Uh, so, so, the, so the key to the blogging is you write the blog for the SEO love and for Google. Then you go push the blog out to your social media people. Number three is you get a newsletter system going. In the newsletter, you need to go import all your contacts in there. I know a lot of you already are doing newsletters, but you take these little blog tidbits and you go put them as the title in your like newsletter and make it a question or, or something that's smart sounding. The tricks to blogging, I guess, are how to do something, nine fast ways of this, three blah, blah, blah. There's, that's a whole show on itself, I, which I'm not a pro at that, so I probably won't do it. But the point is, is that your newsletter needs to have information that want, that your clients are going to read and go, I want to read that. So you start the, the newsletter with like the first paragraph of your blog. And then you, you know, you see the standard in all newsletters is click here to read more. I've been doing this for years because the point of the newsletter is to get people to come to your website. You know, you want to pull them in, engage them even more. And my uh, constant contact actually has a lot of good tracking uh, analysis. So you can see what person actually clicked on what link. Now, I haven't gone to the level of actually stalking those people and saying, hey, I saw you clicked on my link. Do you want me to help you? <laughs> Which I think that's a little too much. I don't think I would do that to people. But it's there, which you could actually take those people out of that list and go make a new list of people who were interested in force feed, what, what they call a drip marketing. You know, you can start sending them more stuff about that topic, which this is so – I don't have time for that shit, honestly. I don't have time for drip marketing and all that, but it's an idea if you're really, you know, really want to do it. Okay. So another thing is then, uh, so we've got the newsletters, you got your blogs, you got your social media. Uh, another thing you probably want to do is get your website, either if it's done now, or if you're going to do it is you want to get that thing. Uh, you want some analysis done on it. And, and do some SEO on it. So I happened to, just a few weeks ago, happened to have a friend who did a big analysis on my website, but for free and just emailed it to me out of the blue, which that was really nice of them. But over at Technible, Bryce Whitty, the owner, um, is doing, I mean, SEO freak, loves it. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've just, you know, been in awe of the stuff he knows. And he knows so much about it that it's amazing. So anyway, he put out a link on Technible, which I want to share with you guys, that uh, he's basically doing an SEO analysis for 39 bucks, And I think that's a real good steal because I, you know, I believe he says him and his team do the analysis. And I don't think it's, you know, hours and hours of work, but it's just a good, you know, PDF for you. I'm assuming it's a PDF to go see what your problems are with your website. And my SEO analysis I did, I was like, holy moly, I am not doing it well. And I thought I was doing pretty good. But I'm not. I, I have a lot of problems with mine. And you really want your site to be optimized to the best, the load pages and all that stuff and any problems it has. So I recommend getting that done kind of at some point because if you have a really old website, people, you know, you got to have it updated if you want to use it for marketing. And that's how I market stuff. And so this whole, um, this whole show today is about how to market it with what I'm doing. There's probably 20 other ways to do it. But that's just what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's how I do it. And I and my tips are to you is there's plenty of people that want local. So those three 
those tips I talked to you guys about today should be helpful for you. And uh, let's see. I think that's kind of it. This is a longer show than usual, guys. But I really wanted to just kind of share that marketing information because uh, I will tell you, man, that there is so much work coming around with this Office 365. And I'm busy enough, you know. What 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 people call me for mostly is uh, two things. They want Outlook expert help. Then I upsell my migrations. And secondly, they want Office 365 some kind of aftercare because the techs that did their job didn't do the aftercare. And I'm like, hey, that's my niche. I'll take it. I'm good with that. You know, the migrations are fun and stuff too. But uh, right now I'm still trying to figure out where I am in the world and what I want to do with my, you know, business. And I'm just kind of playing the field right now because eh, there's so much changes going on. So much. All right, gang, I think that is the show. I'm sorry I haven't taken – I've taken a break off my little stories, but I – um. I'll probably pick them up in a couple weeks. I really wanted to knock out these next two shows with some good Office 365 nuggets. All right. Where's my show closing notes? I can't find it. Uh, well, anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is a Heyman Hendrickson production. Just remember, if you need any help from me, you can email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. You can check out my ebooks at uh, callthatgirl.biz slash publications uh you can check out the show notes at call that girl biz slash office 365 and i think i will um oh i also want to thank gap river and podbean for uh sponsoring and hosting the show that's it folks see you next week <laughs>